gift of prophecy. If you'll open up, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can look at Romans chapter 12, which is the key text of this series on gifted. We're looking at what we call the Romans 12 grace gifts. There are seven gifts listed in verses 6 through 8. We're going to read those, those verses right now and remind ourselves of these seven gifts. And then, like I said, we're going to look specifically at the gift, the first one mentioned being prophecy. Romans 12 verse 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, which would suggest not one of us is exempted from this, or not one of us has this pass over them. And here are the seven gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What we're going to look at today are here kind of an outline of, of the next few minutes. We're going to look at the four different prophetic roles in the New Testament. So the, hopefully bring some clarity around different ways in which this thing that we loosely call the prophetic, uh, how they operate, how it operates in the New Testament. We're going to look at what prophecy is. We're going to look at some tips on receiving prophetic words. And we're going to look at some tips on giving prophetic words. And then before we leave, we are going to activate this morning uh, the prophetic in our, in our gathering here this morning. So let's start off with that first one. If you put that, sl that next slide up, uh, four different New Testament roles uh, for the prophetic. And I hope that this brings a little bit of clarity. We've got ministry gifts or equipping gifts, uh, which are mentioned in Ephesians 4 of the prophetic. And then we've got the spiritual gift of the prophetic. And then we've got natural wiring, as you can see. And then you've got a command. Now, that may not make sense right now, but let me explain what I mean. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the gift of a prophet. Uh, so Ephesians 4 says this, that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets. Say prophet. Some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Those are five gifts. And then he says he gave them to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So these ministry gifts, one of which is a prophet, is an equipping gift, which means that this gift, the prophet, would certainly be highly prophetic, but the function of a prophet is to equip the church much in the way that we're doing right now, equipping the church to do the work of the ministry, which, in other words, a prophet, the result of a prophet should be that the church, you and I, become prophetic. So a few months ago in June, some of you would remember if you were here, we had a man and his wife, Hilton and Riza Rose, they came from South Africa. Hilton is a recognized fivefold prophet. It doesn't mean he's whatever you think prophet is, like, you know, like he's a normal dude, right, Pete? In fact, he stayed in our house because their visa got kind of delayed and they had to stay in our house for a whole week. So we got to know Hilton very well. And you know how prophets put their pants on in the morning? One leg at a time. Yes. In other words, same, they, they are normal people. He's a humble servant of God. So I just want to make this clear. We're not talking about weird, elitist, 
hierarchical nonsense. We're talking about somebody who is a gift, because it just says that he gave gifts to men. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's a gift. Last time I checked, a gift isn't for itself. A gift is for you, right? It's given to be a blessing. So that's what a prophet is. Let's distinguish these different roles, because we need to bring some clarity. Then we've got the spiritual gifts. If you look, and you don't have to turn there now, in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul references nine spiritual gifts. That's what we in the church usually call them, is spiritual gifts, but actually it's not even a great interpretation from the original language. It's actually more manifestations of the Spirit. In other words, some of you know about spiritual gifts. I'll name some of them. There are nine. There's the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. There's prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, healings, so on and so forth. I don't know how many I mentioned there, but there are nine of them. Are we, are we following? The gifts of the, those are gifts of the Spirit. And here's the, 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 the reality is that in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says that, he, that they're the manifest, he refers to them as the manifestations of the Spirit. Which is to say this, that if you have the Spirit of God, that's what you have. You don't have a gift of prophecy. You don't have a gift of words of wisdom or a gift of healing. You have the Spirit of God. And as you lean into the Spirit of God being able to use you, the Spirit can flow through you with one of those gifts. It does happen that some of us tend to be used in certain of those gifts more than others, but this is what I want to make, make clear. If I prophesy to Bob over here and have a prophetic word for him, does that make me a ministry gift prophet? Yeah, do I even have the gift of prophecy in terms of a spiritual gift necessarily? No, I've got the Holy Spirit, and he used me to prophesy. Am I making sense? Now we've got natural wiring, third on the list. That's the Romans 12 grace gifts. You're going to find that the Romans 12 grace gifts are something even before you were Christian. That the gift or gifts from that list of seven grace gifts is in you by the one who fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb from the point of birth. In other words, if your grace gift is leadership, there's probably been evidences of leadership in your life from the very beginning. If your grace gift is mercy, there's probably been evidences of you having a compassionate heart and caring for people who are downtrodden from the beginning of your life. This is making sense. You can't, it doesn't come upon you in a moment. It is there all the time. Whereas the Holy Spirit in the spiritual gift, you have the Holy Spirit all the time. Gift of prophecy comes upon you in a moment. Is that making sense? A prophet is a prophet, is a prophet, is a prophet. They're called a prophet from their mother's womb. They're not going to be a prophet without being a follower of Jesus, but it's, the, it's a calling. It's there all the time as well. Hope, hope we're making sense. What we're talking about in this series on grace gifts is trying to identify who in here has a grace gift of prophecy. It's part of your natural wiring. It has been evident from the beginning of your life that God just begins to kind of speak to you in a certain way. But, uh, or, or, or let me make it clear, you, you, God speaks to believers who have this gift. But there's a prophetic wiring that can be evident from the beginning. And lastly is this issue of command. This is important. 
every single one of these grace gifts that we looked at, all seven, there are somewhere in the New Testament where you're going to find that it's a command to operate in it. So, for example, my friend Mickey back there has a gift of service. He has a grace gift of service. It's a part of his wiring. We can't stop Mickey from serving. It is who he is. I don't. I took the gift assessment, and judge me if you want, the gift of service and mercy are at, like, the bottom. I don't even know if, like, you know, Jesus can use me at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mercy and, and service are at the bottom for me. This guy's got it at the top. Now, uh, the Bible says that we need to serve one another. It doesn't say those of you with a grace gift of serving serve one another. All of us have a command to serve one another. He also, I believe, has a gift of giving. It, it doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say to give if you have a gift of giving. Everybody, regardless if you have a gift of giving, is called to give. Everybody is called to lead in some capacity. Everyone is called to show mercy, regardless if you have a grace gift. Am I, am I making sense? In other words, we all have the command. I.e., even if you don't have the grace gift, you still need to be faithful to the command. But some of us have a grace gift, which is your role in the church. It's what, you're, what God's designed you to bring into the building of the church that he's building. And so in this series, we're wanting to, to, to see all of that, to, for all of us to grow in all seven areas, but to be released in what God has designed and ordained us to be. So this brings up the question, some of us may say, why do I need to go through this whole series and learn about these grace gifts that I don't even have? I mean, I'm called as a leader. I don't, why do I have to listen to hearing about mercy? You know, or how, I have to learn about giving. You know, you follow what I'm saying? Can I quickly give you four reasons that we need to go through this whole thing together? Number one, four reasons why study all is what we just said. It's a command. We've got to follow the command. Number two, another reason that we should, we should uh, study all of these is because part of your calling is probably going to call upon something that you don't have, that you would lean more heavily on God, and not just the gifts that you do have. Okay, so let me give you an example. Fourth on my list of the seven gifts when I took the gift assessment is leader, leading. It's not a grace gift of mine. Teaching, grace gift. I, I could, I just, it's the way I'm wired. Prophecy and encouragement. Those are grace gifts in my life. Leadership is not. It's, it was not evident from the time that I was a child, that I was the one calling the shots. I was the one kind of like making the jokes, you know. I, wasn't, I didn't need to be in charge, and I don't want to be in charge. I'm not uncomfortable doing it. And yet, look at me. I've got a calling to lead a church. That's uncomfortable for me. Why? Because it's not, it's not in my natural wheel, well, house. What's the expression? Wheelhouse, thank you. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and yet God calls upon me to, to function in something that I'm not naturally good at, that I would lean upon his grace. So you also could, could possibly need to do something like that. A uh, third reason that we need to go through all of these is that by understanding all of them, we more clearly understand what it is that we are and more clearly understand what we're not. And even though God can cause us to be faithful to a command, we need to be released from the pressure to, be, to not be something that we're not. 
it is totally fine if you don't have the gift of prophecy that you kind of don't prophesy a whole lot. In fact, Mickey doesn't prophesy a whole lot. That's fine. He should be open. He should want to be used by the Holy Spirit, but let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Whereas Penny, who I believe has a grace gift of prophecy, is, and I've encouraged her, you should be, you should be releasing that, you know, as, as you feel like the Holy Spirit gives you something. And then fourthly and lastly, why do we need to go through all these? Is that by understanding all of the gifts, you're going to better understand the giftings of those around you. And let me remember, the, remind us all, the reason for these grace gifts is so that we become like a symphony together. Each finding our part to work in harmony with one another to accomplish a common goal of the kingdom of God. Your gift only finds its use in so much as it's interconnected in the church. It's not for you just to excel in your career or to do some kind of selfish interest. God will use that. It may manifest in your career. That's awesome. But it's for the building of the house of God, ultimately. And so having said all that, let's look at a couple of these things. What is prophecy? And then look at some receiving prophetic words, tips on that, and then tips for giving prophetic words. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a message from God, but it is not having biblical authority. That needs to be really clear. Prophecy does not carry the, biblical, the authority that the Bible does. Taryn Williams, who wrote the devotional that most of you are going through, says that Scripture is given for all people for all time. A prophetic word is for a certain person or group of people for a certain time. It is limited in its authority. We ultimately live our lives by scripture. Prophecy can help be a guide, a guide that God can ignite faith through a prophetic word to do something that harmonizes with scripture that is unique and specific to our particular lives. Prophecy is a message that is given by the Spirit to someone to be given to 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 uh, to another person or group of people for this purpose to build up to encourage and to comfort build up encourage and comfort where am i getting this if it, you don't have to turn there now but first corinthians 14 3 a whole chapter where the Apostle Paul gets into the subject matter primarily of prophecy. In the modern King James Version, it says this, but he who prophesies, listen to this, speaks to men for building up, number one, exhortation or encouragement, number two, and comfort, number three. Those are the three reasons for prophecy in the New Testament era. In the Old Testament era, prophecy and prophets took on a different role. If you've read the Old Testament, you don't want to hang around a prophet a whole lot. No, well, you actually should, but, but it's, 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 some, it's some correction. And it is calling out what God is saying to the nation. And that is not the role of the general gift of prophecy in the New Testament. It is to comfort and encourage and to build up. Not in that order, but are you following? Now, a fivefold gift or a ministry gift of the prophet, probably carries the authority to, to, to handle a little bit more weighty stuff, if there is some correction. But even a five-fold ministry gift of prophet needs to be humble. They need to be accountable. They don't need to just go into churches and say all the stuff that's wrong with them. That is not the, the role. And it's certainly the spiritual gift of prophecy is not for that. It is for comfort. 
I'm not saying people don't need to be corrected, but we don't use prophecy to, cor- to correct people. We use love and, the, and, and, and pastoring and discipling people and, and being in their lives and lovingly bringing help through the scripture, not prophecy. So let me make that clear. If you have a judgment against somebody and you think that, man, they need to get this, and I can so see if they would just get this, their whole life would change, let's not use prophecy to kind of pretend that it's God saying it when you're just judging them and giving their judgment. (laughs) Are, Are you understanding what I'm saying? We get into weird stuff when it comes into the prophetic. We need to be biblical. Let's keep it in the biblical framework of, of encouragement, building up, and, and, uh, and comfort. Um, I, had, I was down in uh, South Georgia last October and doing a, 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 some men's ministry. And the Lord really put some stuff on my heart uh, for that time. And when I got down there, some, if any of you preach, you, you, you kind of maybe know what I'm talking about. When I got down there and I was having conversation with people, I realized that what I had to share was going to be confrontational. I wasn't intending on it being, but it was going to be like speaking right into stuff that was like demonic stronghold in that area. And so I started feeling a little out of my depth, a little scared, a little nervous. And I started calling on by text and, and WhatsApp and Messenger people that I love and trust and I know that they carry ministry with me. So, I, so this man here, Rodney Lloyd, who's an elder in the church, and I also contacted uh, Steve Sudworth. Many of you know him. leads a church in Chicago. And I just let them know, hey, man, I mean, there's some stuff here that I, I know my word is going to be confronting people and, and uh, just want to ask you to pray. Both Rodney and Steve texted me back. They prayed over the situation and they, and they shared with me what they were feeling. Both of them basically had this message. Uh, this, in, in my, I'll give you it in my words. Let the word of God do the work. Rest in that. Abide in Jesus. Don't try to make anything happen. Don't shy away from doing anything. Just let the word do its work. And the fact that both of them sent me basically the same message independent of one another was so confirming to me. That was God's prophetic confirmation to me. Oftentimes the prophetic will confirm things to you and it will ignite faith it gave me the right perspective to to engage in this ministry that i did the ministry was fantastic the men received it and now there's a church that put that men's ministry it was a regional thing with many churches but the church that put it on have now invited us as a church and and as as people with ministry gifts to come and help them through a very kind of difficult time that they're going through in a, as a, in, a, in a transition to help them as a church. And it's a, it's a humble pleasure to be a part of that. Look at the power of simple prophetic words can do uh, to encourage you in, in, in those kinds of ways. So uh, let's look at some tips around receiving prophetic words. By raise of hand, how many of you ever received a prophetic word? Okay, so maybe roughly half of you or so. There's some important elements to receiving prophetic words from the scripture, and I just want to kind of touch on these really quick. One, and this isn't really a scripture, this would be taking a scriptural principle and giving it practical application. Write, when you receive a prophetic word and you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking, record it somewhere. Why? Because you're going to want to go back to that periodically. If God is speaking to you through the prophetic, you want to honor that and go back to it and uh, which brings me to my second point, 
we hold prophetic words that God has spoken to us before God, and we wage war, is what the Apostle Paul says. We wage war with the prophetic. Now, what am I talking about waging war? (laughs) How many of you know that life can be a bit of a battle sometimes? And sometimes God can speak to your heart about some things, but life and circumstances don't look a thing like what you feel God put in your heart. Anybody, or am I alone? Or is, is it we? And when God puts something in your heart and he speaks to you prophetically, it is, it is like God speaking of his realm of the impossibilities becoming possible and you see what his will could be. And we, despite what the circumstances look like, we cling to what God has said. We wage war. Now, where am I getting this? First uh, Timothy 1.18 The Apostle Paul says this to his spiritual son, Timothy. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. When uh, Joseph, uh, in the Old Testament, received a prophetic word from God, it said basically that he was going to be in leadership of his whole family. And what happened the very next day? He wakes up. His family kicks his butt, rips his clothes, tosses him into a ditch, and sells him as a slave into Egypt. Thanks for the prophetic word, God. Can I say, when you receive a prophetic word, a a, a significant prophetic word especially, it usually is followed by the exact opposite circumstances. Why? That you would wage your war with the word God gives you. Can I give you an example? That applies to you guys. Check this out. June of last year. Uh, we've been leading Border City Church for six years, basically, or almost six years, five years or so. And, uh, and the idea from the beginning that God put in our heart is we're going to plant a church in the city, but we see God uh, allowing us to multiply other communities of faith all around Metro Detroit. We want to see things springing up in Allen Park and Dearborn and Oakland County and Macomb. We want to to see people receiving Jesus and coming into church all over the place. And five and a half years in or something like that, we're still kind of here in Detroit with the first one. And God starts putting on my heart the desire to see something multiplied into the suburbs. Are you tracking? So uh, that's around spring of last year. June, we go to a equip in Chicago, a, a conference of, of uh, a gathering in Chicago of all the partnering churches of NCMI, that, the, the apostolic team we partner with. And we're there in Chicago, and uh, I'm carrying this, like, desire to start something to reach into the suburbs somehow. Minda is saying at that time, no, we don't have the resource. We don't have the anything. It's not time. We need to build traction here in Detroit, and then we can start doing some stuff like that. And I, thought, I was like, well, I mean, if you're married here, you know it's, it ain't going to happen if the wife, you know, <laughs> isn't with me on this. And so, and so, uh, so we're there at the uh, equip, and during worship, one of our friends from California, Kenesha, gets up, and she begins to share this prophetic thing. I'm not going to go into the details, but it triggers in Minda. She feels the Lord saying to her, 
despite the fact that it doesn't make any sense, despite the fact that we don't have the resources, the money, the people connections, it is time to start working something into the suburbs. So she writes this down in her journal. No one knows it that day except for me and her. And she shares it with me. At the end of that meeting, our friend Chanel Rousseau, who is a ministry gift prophet on the NCMI team, and a good friend of ours, she comes to us and says, Paul and Minda, after tonight's meeting, can, can I just meet with you? I want to pray with you because I feel like God's been giving me some stuff for you. Sure. Minda, over lunch that day, shares with me what she felt God say. And I'm like, it seems like God's saying this to us. It doesn't make any sense, but it seems like God is saying it's time to also start working in the suburbs. We get to the end of the service that night. Chanel comes over, prays for us. The first thing that she says, you guys uh, just bought a house, didn't you? And it's like further away from the downtown area than where you were. Yes. She says, I feel like God's saying that you have uh, a harvest further beyond that, maybe beyond the city and into the suburbs, and you need to work there while also working in the city. We thought, okay, maybe God is saying something. Ignites our heart with faith. You follow? But what was that scripture that I just mentioned from Paul, 1 Timothy 1.18, to wage the warfare? Yeah, remember that concept? So we'll get there. So we come home, and we are, um, don't know what to do, so we take a, our car and we drive into the area that we're kind of like feeling led to, and we just start praying. And we're praying over the area. We're saying, God, what are you doing? You know, God, uh, just praying our heart for the area. And, and ultimately, the main prayer was this. God, if, we're, if you're calling us to work into this area, we need to meet somebody who would be a strategic open door into this area. So we come, we come home, and that's it. I wake up the next morning, and on this phone, I've got a text from a man who says, I just came back from uh, South Africa, and I've been in the church of a guy who knows you, and he gave me your phone number. I live in, and he says the exact area that we had just been doing our prayer drive. He told me about you. I want to meet you. Can you come over for a breakfast or, or, or lunch? So I go, and I meet this guy, and I'm bold because I can tell he's a spiritual guy, and so I had the liberty just to share exactly what had happened, all the prophetic stuff. And so we start talking about the possibility of us meeting in his home. And we can start reaching his neighbors, and that would be our first kind of like beachhead breaking into the suburbs. Sounded wonderful, right? I mean, I'm looking forward to sharing with you the praise report of what God's doing, and it is so wonderful. And a few weeks later, he tells us, you know what, we've got to call it off. Ain't going to happen. Okay. And honestly, my response was, well, if God's speaking, it's not based on this guy. God's saying, so I'm going to continue my, with my faith, and I'm going to continue marking. God's going to open up that door. And a week later, two weeks later, what do we do? <laughs> we do another prayer drive, but no one texts me the next morning. We're, we start having coffee out there instead of in the city just to kind of put us around people. Nothing happens. We're praying. I spent a year praying Revelations 3-7, that God would open a door that no man can shut. And every single day, trusting in God about this prophetic thing that he has given us. And believe me, you, you say, oh, that's good, you prayed for a year. No, you try it. 
You try praying the same prayer for a year and seeing no results for a year. And then this dude that I met who had to call it off, his wife, who we just met a few weeks ago, is the one who, out of nowhere, arranges for us to have meetings in that Royal Oak facility that you saw a picture of. And now during this gifted series, we are in the suburbs all because of God. It's God's doing. What am I saying? The prophetic, receiving the prophetic. It's you wage warfare with this thing. So let's quickly, I mean quickly, you stop it, people. You're making me go too long. We need time to be able to activate this morning. So um, stop doing that, guys. Making me go too long. Uh, I won't talk about how the prophetic oftentimes will call you to make adjustments but can I just say a, a quote from a man named Graham Cook who wrote a book called Developing Your Prophetic Gifting? He says, there are no unconditional personal prophecies. Personal prophecy refers to the possibility, not the inevitability. If your response to the prophetic is poor and full of unbelief, or your lifestyle is one that continuously grieves the Holy Spirit, you might not see the prophecies fulfilled. That is not to say if anybody, including a ministry gift prophet, if they give you a prophecy, it's not to, not to say that you, ha you have to receive it. Because even a prophet is not standing on the authority of, of infallible word of God as we have in the scripture. Every prophetic word given by a man needs to be accountable and submitted. And, they, and, and even a prophet can miss it. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is it's not to say you have to believe every prophetic word that you get, but if God is speaking and there's this resonance and you reject it because you just don't even want it, then God can't work with you on that. It has to be. So you've got to engage receiving a prophetic word with an open heart of faith, not like a closed, unless you like bombard through my wall, I'm not going to believe anything that's being said. It's I'm open but I reject anything that I'm not sensing the Holy Spirit is witnessing with. That's, that's how we do this. Let's go through some tips on giving prophetic words, and then we're going to activate. And super quick, number one, do it according to your faith. That is what the Romans 12 passage says. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith, which says a couple things. One is that if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. In other words, act. Every single one of these gifts requires that we act. It's not enough just to have the gift, but number two, it's according to your faith. So God may give you something, and when you step out and you begin to share it with somebody, first of all, you want to do it in love, but as you're sharing it with them, you, you can have the temptation to embellish it, to add something onto it that's really you and not God. It's just keep it to accordance to your faith. So no more than what God gives you faith to say, and no less than what he gives you faith to say. Number two, another tip on giving the prophetic, is deepen your biblical theology. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The reality is your biblical knowledge and I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about your relationship with God in the scripture. As you know God through the scripture, it gives God more to work with as he uses you in the prophetic. Another point related to that is to the degree that your theology is warped, 
is the degree that your prophetic gifting will come through warped. Similarly, to the degree that your your theology is rightly divided. It's, It's rightly dividing the word of truth is the degree that your prophetic gift will be enriching. In a, in, in a sense of truth. So I've heard a lot of prophetic people tend to not be very strong in scripture. That's not a rule. <laughs> Please don't hear that. But, but prof, prophetic people dig into the word. Know the scripture. Know your God in what he has said. Number three is accountability. 1 Corinthians 14.29 uh, says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Which actually says that if a prophetic thing is shared, it should be in the presence of somebody who's judging. So what I'm, what I'm saying is to be accountable. Nobody should be sharing prophetically if that person who's sharing is not accountable in a local church to local church elders. No, no one should be functioning as a ministry gift, flowing in the spiritual gifts, doing anything without being planted in a church and accountable somewhere or else you are a lone ranger and you're more dangerous to the body of christ than you are helpful so accountability especially with regards to the prophetic because the prophetic can be so manipulative if you're using it wrongly so we need to have that heart of i'm serving you with my prophetic gift my heart is to serve you. I want, and because I want to serve you, if I'm wrong in any part of this, I want others to help me discern what, if, if what I'm saying is right. If I'm saying something that's out of context from the scripture, I want somebody there to help me. I want, I want to grow in this thing. I want to grow. I, I want feedback. If you're, so we don't do what we call parking lot prophecies. What I mean by that is this. And, and if you've been around church long enough, especially charismatic that kind of church stuff, you'll find these people that will show up at church one day, and then they'll kind of like gather some people around in the parking lot and be like, I, I feel like God's saying something uh, for you, and I just kind of want to, and they're kind of like, they're kind of like separating and, and doing it privately, and it's just weird, and, and they're not really like in the church, and it's just, it's just messed up. Don't be one of those people, okay? Can we commit to that today? <laughs> We are going to be, we're going to have fun with this. We're going to have a good time. We're going to love people and serve people, we're, but we're not going to be uh, unaccountable. Number four, incorporate prophecy into your regular life. Uh, can I just tell us that the prophecy is the one most encouraged spiritual gift in the scripture? Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, Give me just a second to find that. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then in the 39th verse of that same chapter, he says, therefore, brothers, be desire earnestly to prophesy. And that desire earnestly means zealously, like with passion, desire to prophesy. None of the other gifts are spoken of in this way. All of us should, should that's a command. We should be we should be looking to grow in the prophetic. And what I would say, real simple, in terms of incorporating it into your regular life, as you're searching God, as you're having a devotional time, as you're praying, God may speak something to your heart. And I, I would encourage you, if he speaks something, ask God, God, is that, do you want me to share that? Way? Is there somebody you want me to also share this with? And if he puts somebody on your heart, send them a voice note. Send them a text real quick. 
I can tell you it's going to be it's going to be helpful. Similarly, uh, if you are sensing something at any point in your day, to act on it. If you're sensing a prophetic encouragement for somebody, don't wait. Don't think, hmm, that's good. Boy, that, they, that would probably encourage them. Pick up the phone. Call them. Contact them. If you see them later that week, make sure you, you do something. Incorporate it into your normal life. And then just a couple quick points is practice in small group or home group before you start doing it on Sunday to the corporate church. Start honing your craft in kind of a safer area. Next point, similar to that, practice on believers before you start trying to exercise this to your unbelieving friends. Some of you are laughing, but, but in the context of believers, we have a little bit more grace if we're stumbling, if we're maybe not quite hitting it on the head or whatever. You can kind of hone your craft in a safe environment, but God wants unbelievers to receive from the prophetic. 1 Corinthians 14 also says that if we prophesy and an unbeliever comes in, that they will fall down with their, the secrets of their heart being exposed, and they will uh, praise God and say, surely God is among you. Prophecy is to be a, uh, something that, that touches the heart of unbelievers. And then another little practical thing, and we're almost done, is can I encourage us, especially some of you older folk, <laughs> some of you younger folk don't even know what I'm about to talk say, but just let me just hear me out here. God does not speak in King James English. And if you're prophesying, you don't need to suddenly convert to King James English. It reinforces the false idea that God lives in the era of William Shakespeare and King James I. He doesn't. The Bible was translated in that era according to English as it was spoken in that era. There's nothing more spiritual about that than that. So we don't need to say, thus saith the Lord. And in fact, don't even say, this is what God says, or thus says God, or any version of that. Because you are completely unaccountable by saying, this is what God says. But if you are going to say that, and you shouldn't, definitely don't say, thus saith the Lord. Like, what is, are you on? Okay. I'm, I'm, over, I'm over my rant. And then lastly, uh, there is no need to yell, to shake, to vibrate, any, anything like that. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.32 says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Can I just say that God, as he has, as Jesus was wild, and believe me, if we're following Jesus, we are not following only a gentle shepherd. Jesus is not in the realm of my comfort zone. He is wild, but not weird. And church oftentimes gets weird. And even if we're being used by the Holy Spirit, it does not mean that we have to get weird. Now, if the Holy Spirit wants me to levitate and fly around the room, if the Holy Spirit wants me to shake, I want the Holy Spirit to, to do that, if, if I'm honest. But if I'm doing weird things because it's just what church does, and I've got to almost kind of prove that this is the Holy Spirit by doing my thing, can I say we are being religious, and we're giving people man-made stuff rather than God stuff, and people don't need any more man-made stuff than they've already gotten. So just release what you have, and God 
is big enough to use you with your body, your personality, the words and the ways that you express it, he's big enough to do that. In fact, he chose you to do that. So just be comfortable with that. All right, let's do some activation. If 